0: Chapter 10, part one. Other things that can help someone recover. So this can be applied to people that are in residential treatment or in outpatient treatment, or even if they're doing treatment through telehealth, you know, virtually in Zoom sessions. It's getting more and more popular. I'll go through each of these things and on the last one I'll spend some time on that on part two. Uh, one of the first things I brought up was bookwork, writing, and journaling. I take a little bit of a shot at the American school system. I don't mean to really be negative. I hope you guys don't take it that way. Uh, I just realized that a lot of people who went to school in this more recent generation feel dumb. And I just feel like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the teachers have too big class size they're overwhelmed the, the kids are hooked on sugar and social media and video games or uh, you know there's no discipline in the classrooms I don't know what it is I'm not pretending to know the answers I just realized that a lot of people who come into rehab had struggles when they were in school and specifically they didn't feel like they were learning anything really well or they felt like they were just dumb yeah like I said they They just felt like they were stupid because they didn't get the calculus or the trigonometry or whatever they were trying to teach. My personal opinion is, is that we teach kids, a lot of things, a lot of different random things without really helping them understand why I I did not do that. Well, in high school, admittedly, I was bored. I would rather be out with my friends doing something than learning trigonometry or algebra or a lot of different things. It just. It just didn't resonate with me. There were some teachers that I liked and when a teacher was passionate about their subject, it really didn't matter what the subject was. I took an interest in it and I got it and, um, and I might've not gotten an A necessarily, but I enjoyed the class. I enjoyed the learning. To me, it was a, it was a process where I was present for it. So I would imagine that it has something to do with energy and passion, probably more than anything coming from not only the teachers, but the administration and I know that parents who send their their children to maybe private schools, or maybe they live in a, a really nice area and the public schools are really nice. The common denominator seems to be that the teachers and the administration are very involved and they're taking their jobs very seriously and they, they want to uphold a standard and and that, that seems to benefit the children. So anyway, I'll say that's all I want to say about that. I'm not, I'm not trying to write a book about the American school system. Um, but I will say that book work writing and journaling can be very effective for someone who is trying to process their life, which is what you do when you're going through addiction treatment, you're, you're processing incidents in the past and you're going through them. And you know, it's interesting to see your words in writing. I don't know if you guys ever have this experience, but sometimes if I do a journaling exercise, It's almost like I sit down and I just start writing without even thinking about it and then I sit and look at the page and realize what I've written that it came from me and it's almost like I'm reading it as if a stranger wrote it it's like wow that that just came out of me that's that was really interesting and I think there's a lot of merit to that to to writing things down to answering questions reflecting having reflect reflections and writing those reflections down uh there's merit to that I also mentioned camaraderie, uh, and that is really important for mental health in general, from what I have noticed, that when someone feels isolated and not part of a group, they feel like no one understands them, that is a detriment to someone's mental health. If they feel like they're included in a group and a part of it, they feel better. And this can be all kinds of groups. It doesn't matter. It can be a sports, it can be playing musical instruments. You could be part of the Japanese anime fan club. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. None of these things matter. All it means is that you have something in common with other people and we have something in common with other people and you feel included in that group and you can discuss ideas that you all enjoy and that you want to talk about. And then you feel included in something. You feel part of something. You don't feel as isolated So it's very important to have camaraderie when you're going through treatment. This happens fairly typically when in any program, the people that you're in the groups with, that you're sharing your life with, your deepest, most vulnerable moments, you, you tend to form bonds very quickly with those people, as long as they are treating you with respect and listening to you respectfully. So that is something you always want to make sure is happening, as well as the staff should be having similar bonds, of course, of a professional manner with their clientele. You should not feel like in rehab that you and all the clients are on one team and the person leading the group or the staff member or the clinician is on another team. Everybody should feel like they're on the same team, even though one is obviously in a position of helping facilitate that group or teach the other people. Uh, They all should be Uh, A camaraderie between everybody. Another thing I mentioned was goal setting. That's very simple. Everybody knows this, setting goals, but honestly, it's very uncommon to see people who set goals really effectively. Uh, Most of us, myself included, often don't break that big goal down into a lot of smaller goals and smaller goals and go down and take the steps and check them off along the way. We all know this inherently, that the way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time, basically take that goal, break it up, have you know little milestones that you can hit along the way, and all of a sudden, that big goal is easily accomplished. That is easier said than done, but it doesn't mean that it's not important and that the people that take goal setting seriously in their lives, especially when they're doing treatments and they're processing their lives and they're trying to fix their lives, that is uh, a very effective way to go about it. Because the idea of fixing your whole life at once is very overwhelming. Even the idea of fixing an entire relationship with somebody at once is overwhelming, much less their entire lives. So goal setting is something of value. Another thing I mentioned is the helping others selflessly. Somebody said something, and I wish I could attribute who, who this belongs to, but they said, if you feel helpless, start helping. And I think that actually really is a great line because we've all been in that poor me, um, upset, uh, situation where we're focusing on ourselves. we we feel sorry for ourselves. We're pitying ourselves. We feel bad. And. Uh, the best thing you can do in that situation is help another person. In fact, helping another person is so often a good mood elevator that it should be done, uh, all the time. If you can, uh, people who volunteer a lot, they get a high off of this. They enjoy the gratitude that they receive. They don't do it for the gratitude, but they enjoy helping other people. But when they receive gratitude from that, obviously they feel good. And it's like a natural high. And I believe that that's something that we all should practice more. The last thing for this uh, part of the podcast short is doing mindfulness or meditation. Again, another obvious thing, you've heard this before, this is not the first time hearing, you should do some mindfulness meditation and try to sit with yourself. But how many of us actually do it? I myself have not been practicing it that much in the past. I have been practicing in a lot lately. And I find that it is very effective for me, especially when you get into a rhythm of it. And by rhythm, I mean sort of like at least a couple of weeks of doing it every day, you start to really feel the effects of it. And I actually myself prefer doing, doing meditation silently, maybe one out of 10 times. I do enjoy it once in a while, but I usually like a guided meditation. And it's super easy for me. I just put in earphones and listen to a YouTube. There's a, so many good ones on YouTube of 10 to 30 minutes. And you really just, I just sit up and I close my eyes and I and I check out. And I, and I just allow the voice to guide me. And yes, I have other thoughts come into my head from time to time. Everybody does. But I just do my best. And it's like any skill. You work at it. And then you find yourself... In when you're not meditating throughout the day, your mind is just a little more calm, a little more relaxed and actually a lot more relaxed and calm the more you do it. And obviously I don't have to explain why that would be helpful for someone who's uh, overcoming addiction, being able to calm the mind, quiet the mind and think before acting or think before speaking is a great tool. So these are simple things. Simple does not always mean easy. And, uh, these things you've heard are probably what people do to live a successful life. I could be a business coach saying to do these things and you'd be better in business. I could probably be some other type of coach or counselor and tell you to do these things. I'm just mentioning them in in regards to addiction treatment, but I believe these are helpful tools for anybody.